Hello, this is Matt Marone, the worship pastor here at Glen Allen Bible Church. You're listening to the Next Level Podcast. Today, we're going to answer listener questions from Sunday, July 23rd, 2023. Hi, I'm Simone Halpin, the co-founder and executive director of Naomi's House. Hello, I'm Alex Goff, and I'm the campus pastor at Poplar Creek Church. And I'm Kelly Brady, I serve as senior pastor at Glen Allen Bible Church. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Next Level. Good morning. Hello, Good morning. everybody. How are you? Good. Deep breath. I just dropped off my six-year-old at camp. Aww. I mean, she's not, it's not overnight. It's like day camp. Yeah. Fun. I just couldn't get her out of the car fast enough. <laughs> 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 I love her so much. We have been attached at the hip for weeks. This will be good for her is what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. And me. Yeah. <laughs> what, I feel so uh, free. What kind of camp? A drama camp. Uh, CYT. Do you know that camp? No. Christian Youth Theater. Oh, okay. Yeah, she'll love it. Oh, day camp. Okay, yeah, so, it's a yeah. day camp. Yeah, pick her up at three. Where do they meet? This is at the res. Oh, So yeah, not sure. far. Uh-huh. Okay. Then do, are they working on a production? I and believe so. Will it? They'll... Friday afternoon. <laughs> I don't think she has any idea. <laughs> okay. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. Tree number nine. Something like that. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> We had a uh, we had quite the uh, the baseball game in my front yard last night. Okay, with That's the Maroons and the Bradys. Nice. Whoa! <laughs> Came over for a game of wiffle ball. I almost landed on top of Sawyer. <laughs> it was really bad. Who won? He, I, may, I may be a little confused. Well, it was it, it was mixed. It was me and oh, okay. and Matt uh, and I are on opposite teams, and yes. my team got crushed, <laughs> and in part because I apparently have lost all hand eye coordination. <laughs> Blame how, it on the knee. How the old yeah. knee do. Yeah, uh, blame bad. it on the knee. <laughs> I remember thinking when I was a young man, why does my father run like a cripple? <laughs> <laughs> and now I am that man. Yeah. Hmm. This last weekend, uh, Livy and I celebrated our seven-year wedding anniversary. Ooh. So that's what we did this last weekend. Oh, cool. That was fun. Congrats. What'd y'all do? We did the double feature of Barbie and Oppenheimer. Uh, oh, wow. You oh, took in wow. two movies in one day? That yes. is... With Cheesecake Factory in the middle. That's aggressive. It was. Cheesecake and Factory. so... Uh, I wish we had a whole podcast just to hear a critique of both of those movies. Yeah. I, you want to talk about, like, tonally yeah. polar opposite. Yeah. Um, both were really good, though. We enjoyed both of them. Yep. Where is there a Cheesecake Factory? Uh, Schomburg. Oh, okay. All right. Mall. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. <laughs> I'm just curious. <laughs> yeah. like, Where's the Cheesecake Factory? Yeah. Very important question. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think um, Eli and Anthony are going to go see, what is, you, what is it called? Uh, we, not Barbie, the other one. Oppenheimer. <laughs> Oppenheimer, yeah. yeah, they're going to go see it tonight. Um, we were not aware of this. Um, there, is, there is a little bit of nudity in the movie. Oh, okay. And so we, weren't, we did not know that going in. Okay. And so Good just, to know. Good uh, to know. Fair warning for anybody watching. I'm sorry, I wasn't listening. In which movie? <laughs> Oppenheimer. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, yeah. Well, t- I want to talk offline too yeah, about, about Barbie. Um, cool. How was uh, how was this weekend at Poplar? It was really great. Um, obviously, a, a tougher section of text, but there was something that was surprisingly uh, enriching. Uh, just about as a collective group, really diving deep into scripture. That was that was really good. Like people stayed longer afterwards and I could hear cool. conversations about the text yeah. and just really processing and, and diving deep. And we're going to talk about this a little bit more with the questions today, but I think that's one of the benefits of tougher text is that it really can, if you allow it to grow you in the faith. And I saw mm-hmm. that after the service yeah. yesterday. Yeah, that's good. That's good. It was, it was a good, uh, good Sunday here. It was, man, second service was packed. 
Oh, was it? I wow. didn't even notice that. Yeah, that's hmm. awesome. For summer, I mean, you just usually, I'm usually thinking summer is going to be a little more you yeah. know, mm-hmm. sparse, but man, yeah. Felt like uh, it, it got me like ready, like kind of mentally preparing for the fall where yeah. it's just like, you know. All those Wheaties come back. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. They like to sing, which I know is really fun for me. Um, so, all right, well, let's, um, we've got five, six questions somewhere in there, so let's get into it. Uh, first one, why didn't Paul make the complementary roles of men and women more clear so that his words would not be so easily misused in order to subjugate women? I especially struggle with this given that his words are used by those outside the church to paint Christianity as a faith that diminishes the role of women, which in turn discourages many to be open to the gospel. It's mm. a good question. The, uh, the question asker writes, why didn't he make it more clear? And, and specifically the complementarity of roles. You know, what's interesting, though, is Scripture's really clear about the loving kindness we're to show each other. Mm-hmm. There's no getting around that. And so I started yesterday by talking about position and posture and how important our posture is. And so I, you know, I have... I believe that people might have historically mistreated women while citing First uh, Timothy 2.12, mm-hmm. oppress them. But I don't actually think it was a function. Their mistreatment was a function or based on Scripture. I think it was just based on sin in their hearts. In other words, sinful people twist Scripture and have done so for many, many years. Slavery is a case in point. Um, the mishandling of scripture was used as a proof for uh, permission to, to uh, kidnap people and hold them in bondage. So I, I really think it's, the, it's sin in our hearts that causes us to twist or mishandle scripture. I think of Jesus saying that he is the way and the truth, that Jesus is the truth. And anytime we take the truth and, and we put it in a posture that is unchristlike. Hmm. It you know, uh, it ceases to be true, you know. The um, I, I said at the end of my sermon yesterday, if if we've got our theology right, the complementarity of roles, then women should flourish. They sh- they should feel a sense of um, rich relationship, joyful service, fruitfulness. Uh, because we know that's God's heart. Um, they shouldn't get a whiff of misogyny, oppression, second-classness. They should have a sense of being prized and cherished and cared for and um, elevated. Yeah. So I, I just, for me, the complementarity is clear. I actually think it's it's ugliness in our hearts that where people are mistreating. And I'll, you know, I'll give us an example. There are two prominent churches in the Chicagoland area, one of which is complementarian, sorry, Harvest Bible Chapel, Rolling Meadows, and, and one that's egalitarian, Willow Creek Church. And both just in, most mm-hmm. in recent, mm-hmm. uh, in the last, uh, I would say, 24 months, have had, you know, just kind of hellacious scandals about... Um, oppression and even misogyny mm-hmm. and um, unfaithfulness. So I, yeah, it's mm-hmm. not as simple, frankly, as getting our theology correct. 
the theology has to travel that distance from our head to our hearts and change the way we behave. Mm -hmm. And so I'm a, you know, yeah, I think. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. They use the, the, the question asker uses the, the words more clear. And to me that communicates a desire for this text to be easier to understand. And I do share that same desire. I wish this was easier. Um, but a verse that comes to mind as I was thinking about that question was Paul's words to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 3. He says, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. And what that verse communicates to me is that teachings of scripture can vary on how easy they are to digest. And some are mm -hmm. easier to consume like milk. Uh, and even in the book of First Timothy, um, I think of Paul's words in uh, chapter 1, verses 12 through 17, when he's talking about God's grace and God's mercy. You know, that was a very easy sermon to preach that Sunday. Mm. Um, but then you've got other passages that are more like meat and harder to chew, like the ones that we covered this last week. But just like a buffet, I, I think it's important to recognize that when it comes to the Bible, there are going to be sections of scripture that are less clear and harder to digest, but it's all still useful for us. You know, all scripture is God breathed. So just like Paul um, started new believers on teachings that were easier to understand, I think we should adopt the, the same strategy. So by asking, you know, um, struggle with those outside the church. I think when it comes to our relationship with people outside the church, first uh, Timothy two, 11 through eight through 15 is not where we should start, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I see, um, I mean, there's a lot of differences, right, that churches have in how we, whether it's this topic or um, like end times theology, stuff like that. How's that going to play out? Um, there's all kinds of places to land. I, I, I'm kind of with you, Kelly. I, I see, I don't have a, I need this more clear. Um, really what, you know, where it gets dicey, I think, is just in the okay, well, how do we live this out? You know, how, do, how does practically mm. the, um, the, or the proxy, right? Isn't that the word for it? Yeah, um, the proxy, the practice. Right, of it. Um, and we could probably, all four of us, maybe on the same page with this at a high level, but then as we talk mm -hmm. about, well, what are you comfortable with and what are you comfortable okay. with? And it's like, we, we may find a whole bunch of different, uh, a whole bunch of differences you know, between us. One thing that's true is not all, there's none of us that have it a hundred percent right. Mm -hmm. um, we're all gonna probably get to heaven and find out we've got some things wrong, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. um, but I do, th what I see in this topic, and, and this is kind of to address the, the question asker wanting more clarity. Um, like I go to verses like Ephesians uh, 5.23, um, just to kind of see that God has, God has a, uh, he has a system, he has an organization, he has a way that he sets things up for us. And Ephesians 5.23, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as in Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Uh, and the, the verse escapes me, but it, then it, there's a verse that even says, and God the Father is the head of Christ the Son. Like, there are, there are levels of headship. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know why that is. Uh, that's what the Bible says, and it says that in multiple places. Old Testament and New Testament. So that just tells me that, okay, I need to have my mind aligned with God's in as much as I can, that he has, he has a, a method. He has a, like Kelly says often, he's process oriented. He has a way that he has set things up. Now how things fall and how we 
you know, live those out week in and week out. We can talk about that and figure out, you know, where you're comfortable and that may ultimately help you decide what church you want to land in and that kind of stuff. But I think one of the big takeaways is, is that, man, God has a, a plan and a process in which if we operate within it, we'll all flourish. And once we start to operate outside of it, all hell breaks loose, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes quite literally. Yeah, I, I think I appreciate this person's um, heart in wanting there not to be such tension around an important conversation. It's not yeah. like we're debating whether or not we eat meat or not, which is very important to some people. But, you know, this this conversation can be really hard. It can be really painful to some. And so I appreciate <sighs> that they are saying, why can't it just be super black and white? Um, and I, I, not to put words in your mouth, Kelly, but I think you see it as super black and white, maybe. It feels, yeah, I, I hate to say black and white, but I, apparently that's how I'm coming off. Well, it's, and, and I'm not, I wasn't, my point in saying that is I would just encourage this person to study for themselves. There's so much, Mm -hmm. um, there's so much to gain from the journey of asking questions and, you know, understanding some of the con uh, the context in a deeper level, um, reading from those who are the scholars because it's, you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm so far from a scholar that I just really appreciate those who've done a lot of the legwork um, ahead of us and being able just to spend time reading and trying to understand. And um, even if you don't come out on the other side with a clear black and white answer, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of what I feel like this person's asking, the journey of exploring scripture and, and asking God to reveal himself to you through his inspired word is never going to add harm to you. Mm-hmm. Right. No, it's right. always going to bless That's you. A good word. And so I would just encourage this person to Explore it. If, if this is a topic that's really important to, the, to, 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 to yeah. them, it, which, you know, I don't think it would be if they, but I do think it is by the way they asked the question. I would say just spend time exploring it. Agreed. And one of the things I value is the opportunity for the dialogue yeah. within the church. Mm-hmm. Um, this is an issue that can uh, separate Christians Mm-hmm. relationally mm-hmm. Um, and I it it um, it doesn't feel like it separates me like I don't feel mm-hmm. the need to separate over it but I know as it can feel that way for others and I even want to be patient with people that feel they need to separate over yeah. it um, mm. does that make sense mm-hmm. it so really I, does. I highly value mm-hmm. the dialogue I'm so glad. Oh, sorry, Alex. No, I'm, I'm just so glad you're saying that because for, for whatever reason, I probably have some opinions on the reasons this feels like a, I have to leave the church over yeah. topic. And, um, and I also think it's lumped into a conversation of, well, if a church has a theology that's that has, is, has no limits for women in leadership. Well, then they have a theology that affirms gay marriage. Yeah, and that's they, fair. Yeah. And, and the like, it's like, it is a slippery slope. And I feel like that's a really unfair yep. picture to paint for churches. I don't, I actually 
I don't know why it's gone that way. And I started thinking about all the egalitarian churches I know in the area. And they're actually, none of them are affirming to gay marriage. So I'm like, that's, is that just a myth that we've mm. created? Or is it a fear? I that, was going to say yeah, fear. Yeah, that people yeah. think if you have well, no limits for I mean, I can think of then, I can think of egalitarian churches that are actually affirming. I, sure, they okay. exist. But I right. also know that there are some Correct. that don't right. exist. Sure. And like the top five I thought of, of pastors I know, men and women at these churches. And not all complementarian churches are misogynistic. Yeah. Yes. So I'm just saying the polls don't have to be the reality. Yes. I'm trying to agree with you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I yeah, was yeah. like, wait, I'm not saying that. Right. I, the polls. Yeah. The slippery yeah. slope. Yeah. Has been argued on both. Yeah. And is, is not necessarily. Yeah. And maybe the point I was kind of getting to without saying it directly is that you can go to a church where, and I opened with this yesterday, where you, um, you, this is not, some would say, most would say, I don't know who would say, this is not a major issue. This is not going to impact the gospel. It shouldn't impact the gospel. Right. In and, fact, I opened with that as well yesterday, talk, yeah. trying to define essential and non-essential. Exactly. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. And so for a person who's sitting under, you know, the leadership of Glenland Bible and you have a, and you, you don't agree with everything that you, the theology that you landed on yesterday, you can still come here. Mm-hmm. You yeah. can. And I think the opposite would be if you do hold tight to this and you want to go to a church where women are leadership. Well, other than the fact that you're going to hear women preach, you probably wouldn't be very comfortable. But you can also go to that. You know, that, do you yes, see what I'm saying? absolutely. And I just wish that was more modeled. The language that we used at Poplar yesterday, which was basically saying the same thing, was I used the illustration of my brother and I and how, some, how differently sometimes we see the world. Mm-hmm. And yet at the end of the day, we're family. And that, and that was always the, the most important thing. And so the fact that we were family meant that we listened to one another when we disagreed, we loved one another through those disagreements and we, and we dialogued. We've used that word before this morning. We've, we dialogued and we didn't, um, our, our disagreements never, it didn't divide you. It didn't divide us. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. All right. Uh, we go to the next one. Yeah. Uh, number two, I heard that Simone Halpin preached yesterday at Parkview Community Church. How does GBC feel about women preaching at other churches? Can, can we just call it irony? I mean, come on. It is. <laughs> what are the chances? Simone uh, texted me yesterday afternoon as she was getting ready for the podcast saying, I can't believe that's what you preached on yesterday as I was preaching Hilarious. at Parkview. So for those that don't know, Parkview is another church in Glen Ellen. It's a, it's a terrific church that does a good job preaching the gospel and loving people. And um, Simone, tell us you were invited to preach. Tell us how that... Yeah. And Andy, I, I listened to your sermon, that... and Andy introduces you. He explains the background yeah. that um, yeah. y'all were getting to know each other and... and or knew each other and an invitation yeah, was extended. Yeah, no, um, I had to interview someone who's a pastor at a church for a class who... You're, had, in, a, you're in a doctoral program for listeners' sake. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. and I had to, it, the assignment was to interview someone um, who practices in their church differently than your church, specifically in the roles of women. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. so it was, I, Andy has been a friend for years. Um, Parkview's a incredible supporter of Naomi's house and awesome. gotten to know Andy and his wife, Brittany. They're just lovely people. And, um, through the conversation, Andy is actually someone 
I think it'd be okay if I just shared this one line of his own story, who grew up in a complementarian home, went to Moody Bible Institute for undergrad, and then joined Parkview staff. And Parkview went through their own journey of this um, exact they conversation. Shifted. They mm-hmm. shifted They shifted. Position. And Andy was a part of that. Um, and so it was a great, I didn't know all that backstory when I inter- quote unquote interviewed him. So it was really neat to hear his own story and um, something Andy said that I think is so important. I've been trying to teach this to my kids. I try to do it in my own life is that you can't, scripture has to inform your theology. You can't bring what you want it to say and then find scripture Mm -hmm. to back it. And that's, can I just say how tempting that is, especially on this issue as a woman Mm -hmm. who's a communicator. So I just want to say that so loud and clear that, you know, I'm not looking for scripture to back what I believe. I am looking to believe what scripture says. Mm -hmm. And Andy and I had a long conversation about that. And so by the end of that um, interview, he was, he, he actually followed up with an email and said, would you consider preaching at Parkview after our conversation? Blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, I've got to run this by the elders at Glen Bible first. Was that the first time you preached? No, it's it's not. It was probably the first time I've preached um, to maybe that size of a church, and yeah. I didn't, I wasn't like on a panel or interviewed. You know, it was, um, yeah, it, it was, was. And you joked, I need to run this by the elders at Glen Bible Church, but you didn't do that. You didn't I feel didn't. the need to do that. No, I didn't. You were joking. No, yeah. I was joking. Yeah. Only because. Uh, I joke. I made that joke because I had already. I had told you ahead of time, and yeah, I um, actually thought it was in August. So mm-hmm. I, I went home and I said, I just heard that Simone preached, and Rachel said, my youngest. She said, I, I thought that was in August, and I said, me too. <laughs> Strange, you know how you couldn't, you couldn't have planned that. You couldn't plan yeah. it. You couldn't yeah. plan it. So, and you actually talked about the podcast some on on the platform over there as you were preaching. Yes. And, um, it was a perfect example of what it likes, what it's like to be the only woman sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, let's make the most of what God has done here. If we really value and by what God has done, I mean, uh, brought these two dates together. Yeah. You're preaching over there. I mean, there. let's answer the question. How does GBC okay. feel about women preaching? Can't speak for the whole church. I can speak for me. I think it's awesome. Um, um, and I'm a, I'm a pretty hardcore, conservative, orthodox, you know, in most of my theology, Calvinistic, blah, 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 mm-hmm. um, and have a complementarian view on things. But um, I, uh, I find, and this is what, what, what I was referring to earlier, you know, we're probably at a higher level view, we're probably aligned. And then as you start to work your way down and how it works out mm-hmm. week in and week out, we may have things that we disagree on or agree on. Um, I think it's totally fine with what I've read in the scriptures, where I am, um, with having, um, a woman come up and preach. Um, I wouldn't be comfortable if that were, if with a woman as a, as the teaching pastor where she's up every Sunday expounding, I think that crosses into the authority part, Mm -hmm. uh, exercising authority over men part, um, as in other words, like an elder role kind of, kind of thing. Um, but I think, uh, however many times a year, whatever that looks like, like I would not be uncomfortable if a woman got up and preached. That's me. That's not, I'm not proclaiming a GBC stance. That's Mm -hmm. just, that's where I fall on it. That's one of those areas where I'm like, yeah, I'm cool with that. I'd be comfortable with that and would enjoy it. It's, um, 
it's really interesting coming from our campus because functionally we operated as an egalitarian church before the adoption. And so uh, we had women that were, uh, that were preaching on a Sunday morning. We had um, female elders, female elders. And so one of the things that we kind of committed to through the conversations on if the adoption could work is we wanted to make sure that every single female elder that we had on our team was um, green lighting this. We wanted to make sure that, um, we took the time to really listen, uh, to their perspective and everything. And so, uh, what we found, um, Matt, I'm very similar to you with your position on, on women in preaching, but what we found was what's more important for us is that the elders and the staff of the church are, are faithfully following God's word to the best of their abilities. And you go through the qualifications in first Timothy three, they're hitting those points. That's more important to us than anything else. And so while I may not fully agree with every single place that Glen Ellen has landed, I'm willing and excited to be a part of this church because I see the way that they're biblically trying to follow God's word. Yeah. So um, I think I can speak for the elders. They'll let me know if I miss it, I'm sure. <laughs> but uh, let me start by saying um, I listened to your sermon. It was excellent. Aw, um, Paul does not prohibit women from preaching because they can't do a good job. Mm. That's not what he says. So you did oh, a turn. So that wasn't a compliment. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I should let you finish. <laughs> it was a compliment. You did an excellent job. In fact, in first service, I, I made this point and I said it, if you haven't heard Beth Moore mm-hmm. preach, I mean, it's clear women can uh, open God's word and expound well. Uh, so that's the first point. You did a great job. Second, let me say that while GEBC does not invite women to preach, uh, we are more concerned that the gospel is preached than the gender mm-hmm. of the preacher. And, um, and, I, and I share that with Paul. I mean... Uh, Paul writes in Philippians about some are preaching out of envy and rivalry. And I am in no way saying that egalitarians are, are, are envious or preaching out of rivalry. I'm saying Paul even thought in the worst case scenario, someone's preaching simply to get rich. Hmm. He said the good news is the gospel's getting preached. So I, like Paul, would am most happy that the gospel gets preached. Um, and, I'm, and so that's what I'm firstly concerned about. Um, and Simone, you did a great job preaching the gospel, presenting the gospel. You closed with it. Uh, and so I'll just raise again, Augustine, uh, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, freedom or liberty, and uh, all things charity. And so that's really our posture on, uh, on this issue. You did a great job. You presented the gospel. That's what we're most passionate about. Finally, let me say, I'm more concerned, and, and you brought this up, Alex, I'm more concerned with the character of the preacher yeah. than the gender. So firstly, I'm concerned, is the gospel getting preached? Secondly, I'm concerned, is the preacher uh, living a life of integrity? And Simone, we know you. Hmm. And delight in you presenting God's word. Um, beyond that, my goal, and, and this is, I say this often, my goal is to avoid thinking I'm the Holy Spirit. And it's very easy for pastors 
to fall into a groove where they think, oh, I'm going to convict Simone of the truth. She's out of line. How ugly is that? Mm -hmm. Um, In the posture, we talked yesterday about position and posture. The posture quickly gets ugly, gets gross. And so I'm going to, and, and who am I to speak to what Parkview's doing? And, and so I just want to tread really lightly there. No one at Parkview's asking my opinion. Right. So <laughs> right. I, I'd like to get your guys' perspective on this, because this was a question that we got yesterday after the service. You know, obviously, we're talking about how we think the church should be structured and function. Can God use a church that doesn't align with your view on how the church should be structured and function? Can God use... Uh, a, a woman preacher, um, if maybe God's heart and intention isn't for that to be the case. That was a question that we got yesterday. Absolutely. I mean, God works through sinners, folks. I mean, every week at Glenn Bible Church, he's growing his church through sinful people, uh, male and female. Yeah. So, yes. Um, and, and no one has their theology all right. Mm-hmm. Um, we need some real humility mm-hmm. um, in, uh, we can, and again, we can, just because it's non-essential, uh, we feel no reason to divide over this. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, yep. if there's another church, and there are churches in the community that, that um, let me pick my topic, that um, equivocate on essential doctrines, doctrines we believe have to do with salvation, say, for example, the deity of Christ. Mm-hmm. They downplay the deity of Christ. Um, if then we would divide over that and we would encourage people to change churches over that. That is not yeah. what this is. At the same time, for, it's an important issue. It, it was important enough for Parkview to shift. Mm-hmm. It was important enough for, um, so it's, it's, it's a non-essential. It, it wasn't um, so, uh, how to say it? I'm getting lost in my own thoughts. So it, it's, it's important, but it's not essential. It's not something we feel the need yeah. to divide over. To your, point, that. to your point, like if someone were going to Parkview, I would never try to dissuade them to attend. Parkview is, you know a, what I mean? We're not because in, they we're, have this different piece of theology than we do. Now, what, what, you were, like, what you were saying, if someone were attending a church where they were doing a hack job of the gospel, <laughs> I would absolutely speak into that, whether I knew that person well or not. I would, if I knew for a fact that there was a church that was was preaching a, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A heresy yeah. with, with the gospel, mm-hmm. adding something to salvation. It doesn't matter what their gender is. Something like, I don't, I don't give a crap. Like, I'm, I will absolutely be telling that person, you need to leave that church and yeah. take as many people with you as possible mm-hmm. and go to a gospel preaching church. I have no problem doing that. Yeah. But on issues like this, no. Like you said, like, who asked you? Now, if somebody comes out <laughs> no in, the, in the public forum... You know, a la Rick Warren, right? John MacArthur. And, and, or John MacArthur and posts on Twitter, this is what it's, this is what you should believe. Now they've opened the door for public discourse. And you, I may or may not respond to something like that or whatever. Like, uh, I'll give you a perfect example. Um, Mark Driscoll, and not that I, I'm nobody, he's not going to respond to me, but Driscoll posted something on Twitter. I thought it was off. And I know he's leading a lot of... That's shocking. Mark just <laughs> I know, right? off. <laughs> I know. Well, he, he was talking about cessationism and the gifts. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I replied, blah, blah, blah. But that's like, okay, you're on a public forum. Mm-hmm. You are opening the door. 
you are trying to guide a larger swath of Christianity, and I think you're off. I'm going to respond. Like, yeah. that's, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's okay. And I should be doing stuff like that as a pastor. I think as long as I'm communicating, I was still respectful. I wasn't being a butt, hmm. you know. But outside of stuff like that, like, um, yeah, I'm not going to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I, I want to take this opportunity to say I love Parkview. I pray for Parkview. I'm happy for Parkview. <laughs> I appreciate Parkview. I'm not, Golan Bible Church is not in competition with Parkview. Totally. Um, one God, one team. Right. Uh, when they shifted mm-hmm. from complementarian to egalitarian, people left their church. Mm-hmm. Some landed here. Some will leave our church over yesterday's sermon, and they could quite possibly land over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A and, couple came up to me. At Parkview, after church, a former GEBC church. Sure. And they were yeah. like, we are here because we wanted to hear from women like you. I was yeah. like, oh, that's so nice. Yeah. <laughs> and, and if, yeah, I'm, I'm at ease with it. I'm at ease with Christ being the head of his church. I'm not mm-hmm. the head of the church mm-hmm. and um, don't want yeah. that role. Yeah. There's freedom in that for you, which is yeah. um, hopefully the heart that people here on this topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just feel like I should say one thing yeah. about it <laughs> because somebody asked. Um, well, I'm not sure which one thing to say. Simone, I w- say whatever you want. Well, just that um, I think I want to acknowledge that First Timothy chapter 2, this passage is very strange. You know, it's yeah. weird. And if you are someone who's not familiar with Paul's writings, if you're not familiar with the context of what's happening around this church culturally, if you're not familiar with the first century, um, it makes it even more difficult. If you're not familiar with just the context of the redemption story of Jesus, I mean, there's so many things that play a part into understanding this context. Because if you just read it straight out, even, even, even some translations get it wrong or mm-hmm. like they, they translate it with some Liberty and you're mm-hmm. like, that is so weird the way that's translated. Um, it can be very off putting, Yeah, you oh, know, yeah. like we all know that women are not saved through childbirth. You know, that's a weird phrase that <laughs> yeah. has been interpreted from Paul's original intent to today. It's just weird. And I just want to say that I just don't want anyone to be so discouraged or beat down by this passage because and I've, I've probably said this before on the, on the podcast in the past that if you're a woman who does, who is a communicator and who loves God's word um, and you have leadership um, opportunities, this probably impacts you on a, with a greater weight. Like you Absolutely. read this and you're like, wait, this is so weird. Why, why is this passage telling me to be quiet and um, that I don't have any authority and I, you know, it, it, I'm only saved if I'm, if I'm, a mom, if I'm a mom, like, it's just, if you read this without mm-hmm. knowing the fullness of the context, it can be harmful and hurtful. And obviously that's never the intent of God's word. And so that's why I said earlier to study it and to understand it. And I just want to say that one of the ways that I have interpreted this passage that has influenced my kind of where I've landed, which is like maybe on one foot, Do you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not standing two feet strong on like, this is it. You know, it's like maybe one foot is down. Um, Is that just the context of this church and how there were so many women that um, Paul's referring to throughout the entire letter, not just this one chapter, Mm -hmm. that were getting it wrong. 
they were distracting and they had false doctrine and they were bringing in um, cultural things from that time that were not godly. And they're being called out on it. And I think that's why modesty is brought in. I think that's why the adorning of braids and jewelry and things that were distracting. And when I read this text, that's just, that's just the, the lens that I see is that these were women who needed to be told, you can't preach, you can't teach from the front of the, from the, front of the church, quote unquote, which that's a whole other conversation. But anyway, um, <clears throat> because you have your doctrine wrong. And so I think that's just helped me um, make sense of what's typically a really difficult passage. So it is difficult. Yeah. In fact, question number three kind of gets at that. Okay, good. Yeah. Yep. And you know, this question can also kind of be tied into the, a little bit of the first one. Um, if biblical scholars disagree on this, then how is the average layperson to figure it out? Yeah, I'll jump in and then we, yeah, go ahead. um, someone's already pointed it out. Uh, we're all called to search the scripture. We're to be students of God's word. Um, in Acts chapter 17, there is a group of people who are named the Bereans who are praised because they did just that. We should all be Bereans. As the gospel came to their area, they searched the Old Testament for clarity on, on the new covenant and the gospel message they were hearing. And so we all should be doing that. We should be searching the scriptures. We should be seeking truth. Now, one of the things I love to say is we have nothing to fear from the truth. Mm-hmm. If, if I'm found uh, to be wrong, that I've got nothing to fear mm-hmm. uh, because truth brings freedom. And so we can search, we can knock, we can ask. The Lord's eager to reveal to us what's true. Second, some things are hard to understand. Peter famously, 2 Peter 3.16, <laughs> says that Paul's writing is somewhat confusing. Simone's not alone in saying this is it's a difficult, weird. this is a difficult and takes work, but we shouldn't shy away from work. Uh, the lion's share of the biblical narrative is understandable by anybody who can read. Mm-hmm. If you're old enough to read, then the, the, the gospel comes through the narrative clearly. But if you never dig into the scripture, then it will remain confusing. It takes work. And so, uh, frankly, this is why we do a podcast. Mm-hmm. We do a podcast for continued dialogue, searching, uh, the work. I mean, it's really good for me, uh, appropriately humbling, to receive questions, push back. And it helps me uh, go deeper. So, mm-hmm. um, You used the word journey earlier, mm-hmm. and I really like that word. Like, I, I think of, like, you're taking a, a vacation that's a road trip, and let's say you're driving to the Grand Canyon. The blessings of that vacation don't just happen when you hit the Grand Canyon. It happens when you visit, you know, sites in Oklahoma or Missouri or, you know, there's, there's blessings that happen along the journey as well. And so even if you don't reach complete understanding, it, it doesn't mean that that experience wasn't valuable, mm-hmm. you know, using that word journey. Mm-hmm. That was good. Yeah, good point. Uh, a great place to start for me, uh, this is kind of how I waded into the water of this subject. There's this whole book series called the Counterpoint series, 
which goes, um, there are books for every kind of controversial subject that scripture will raise. And what the Counterpoint series does is it has different perspectives on the subject, um, write articles about what they think, and then they have responses from all the other people writing articles to the articles of everybody else. So an egalitarian will write an article, complementarian will write an article, then the complementarian will address what the egalitarian said. And it's a really great way to kind of uh, wade into the pool of the subject while uh, seeing a dialogue of people that are talking about the subject. Mm -hmm. It's the counterpoint series. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they discuss things like uh, miraculous gifts, are they for today? Uh, theories of atonement, what exactly did Jesus accomplish on the cross? Um, and the, there's a book on homosexuality and mm -hmm. the permissibility of marriage among the... And this book in particular is two views on women in ministry. Yeah. So it was helpful for me. Yeah, you know, just um, keep pursuing God. Um, get a study Bible. Um, start to, if, if this is you, if you're, you know, how can that, if you're wondering, how can the average layperson figure it out? Well, move from being a layperson to closer <laughs> towards the other end. Like, like begin to move out of that. If you're uncomfortable with where you are in your understanding of the scriptures, begin praying about it and start to study and put some work in. Mm -hmm. There's um, not a shortage of material. No, no. <laughs> and what's cool is as you, as you make that journey, a couple things happen. Uh, one, I think you do become more clear um, on the things that the Bible teaches and what you believe and all that. At the same time, you're also made aware of how much you don't know. Right, it's humbling. That, it's, it's extremely humbling. Yeah. We're trying to figure out the mind and heart of God. And on the essentials, he's very clear, right? And um, as you do it, it, it kind of, that, that was my experience with seminary in general. I walked out of there going, oh my goodness, there's so much mm -hmm. that I'll never know. I just don't. It's an onion. Right, right. But mm -hmm. at the same time, I also walked away going, wow, I have a lot of clarity on a lot of things that I didn't before. And so it is a worthwhile journey. You should take it. Everyone should take it to the extent that they're gifted in taking it, yeah. <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. We all have, you know, some people love to sit down and read for four hours. Some people mm -hmm. love to read for 30 minutes, whatever it is. Um, but grow closer to God. I have a question I want to ask that um, may or may not be answerable. <laughs> How's that for you? It, it provides an out. Thank you. Yes. Okay, okay, good. <laughs> I, I think one of my struggles with... Um, this particular conversation. So I like that. I don't want to assume I know what this person's asking when they say, like, how does a lay person understand this? But one of the things that I haven't figured out yet, and so here's a, here's a chance to dialogue if we want, is um, particularly this, com this topic, when it comes up, there's a lot of uh, oftentimes well-intended, empathetic, and compassionate preachers like yourself, Kelly, will, will add to this topic, and you did it yesterday, this is not about value. This is not about um, whether or not women and men D and women are equal in value. Dignity, respect. Exactly. So, yeah. so that's, and I think, and I don't know if this is like Simone's like Enneagram wing eight coming out and just always wants to argue, which is not true. I don't always want to argue. Um, I just want to unpack it a little bit is, um, if you have to add that caveat, every time you bring up this particular doctrine, mm -hmm. it makes me think 
I don't feel like that is aligned with the, like God doesn't have to assure me every time I am digging deeper into theology that I have value. And so whenever, so for the harm that can come from a complementarian theology, and you have made this so clear over and over, and there's also harm that can come from an egalitarian theology as well. So I'm not just saying there's only harm from one. Mm-hmm. Um, there's pros and cons on both sides. <clears throat> it, it just gives me pause that every time a well-intended complementarian preacher has to give the caveat of this isn't about value or dignity. So if there's, if they're not, if we're not clear on that, that it makes me just think, well, if you're even, if it's that close to the line that you have to say that every time, Hmm. are we too, you know what I mean? Is it, is it, do you you see what I'm trying to say? I I don't think I'm spitting it out right. No, you're, you're, you're doing good. I think the caveats offered uh, because of historic issues, Mm -hmm. not um, in order to um, prove, uh, prove God. Mm -hmm. And so so the, the, the church has a lot for which they need to apologize. And the 21st century church will, Mm -hmm. I'm sure have things that, um, that future generations will say, what the heck were you thinking? Mm -hmm. You owe this group an apology. So I think the qualification that's offered consistently that women are equally valued uh, in, you know, um, is something complementarians offer given the historic mistreatment of women Mm. and the poor use of the theology. Mm -hmm. Uh, Caveats are offered all the time theologically. Mm -hmm. So for example, the atonement, which is an essential, um, perhaps you've heard uh, preachers say um, that while you're sinful and dead in your trespasses, it's not that you're not valued. Christ, you're so highly valued, Christ came and died for you. While the wrath of God will be poured out on your soul if you don't trust in Christ, mm-hmm. it's not that God doesn't love you. He loves you. So these caveats are not uncommon mm-hmm. as we try to enunciate clearly um, God's word. And we do battle culturally. Yes, that's... Because the culture culture, um, interacts with this complementarian theology Mm -hmm. and and we have to address what they're raising. So what I was going to say, and I can only speak to my heart and my experience, but at the Poplar campus, we do have a group of people that are newer in their faith. And as you mentioned earlier, this subject is, is weird and tough. And if you're just reading it straight with no knowledge, it's easy to connect the dots to say, no, this, this is about my value. This is about my worth and dignity. And so by putting that caveat at saying, we, we're not going there. That's not what we're saying. I, I think about in our cultural moment today, I agree with Kelly on history, but in our cultural moment today, when you tell me no, when you tell me I can't, it is an attack on my identity. It is an attack on who I am as a person. And so it's, it's easy, I think, for somebody reading 1 Timothy 2 that doesn't have a lot of uh, background in scripture to say, okay, by you telling me no, you're devaluing me as a person. And I, I just, I don't want our campus to go there. Mm-hmm. But that's just, that's just my experience. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. 
I will accept your answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, culture's voice, especially on this topic, mm-hmm. is so loud and perverted right now in so many different ways. From saying that gender should be fluid, mm-hmm. there's no difference between a man and a woman. There's no difference at all. There's no difference. Anything a, a man can do, a woman can do. Anything a woman can do, a man can do. From biological impossibilities, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, they, they want us to believe, and I say they, I don't know who they is, but culture right now mm-hmm. is arguing that there are no differences, and the Bible teaches a much different reality. Um, I'd go so well, far. Biology, maybe to, biology and, teaches and bio, right, <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, but man, and I think, you know, yeah, I guess I don't want to go down another rabbit hole. I'll just leave it at that. (laughs) Like, I think it's wise to give caveats in today's day and age, whereas maybe 30 years ago talking about this, maybe there's less caveats. I don't know. But right now it just seems particularly loud. There's less need probably 50 years ago to to caveat the message of complementarity. Yeah. Mm. Today there's less, you're saying? No, there was less need 50 years ago is what I meant to say. Oh, gotcha. Mm -hmm. So, like, you asked Mm -hmm. this question... Mm -hmm what are you thinking and processing as you hear some of these answers? Like, I just want to hear what you're... Oh, oh that's a dangerous question to ask, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Meaning, I, I think out loud yeah. without always a filter. Um, I don't know. I think I'm... I, I don't know that I have an answer to what you're... I mean, I, I've said this before. It's, this, is, this is my heart, is I feel very protective of women who feel... Um, as if they're not able to live out their fullest gifts. Yeah. And I feel, and you know, I, I would love Kelly to experience what you say when, if, if we are, I can't remember how you said it, but if we're living out a complementarian theology to its fullest and women would flourish. And I, I, I haven't yet experienced that. And so as much as I want to believe that and, and, and agree and love that, I know that that's just not my experience. Um, and I know it's not the experience for a lot of women. And so I think that's just what's so hard about this topic is that yeah. um, I can see both sides being beautiful and God honoring. And I think that's why I'm comfortable just kind of being in the messy middle a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. I prayed earnestly about whether or not I should say yes to preaching at Parkview. I didn't, you know, and the kind to say one joke, I came home, Anthony was like, how did that go? I was like, man, it is tough doing a man's job. I am exhausted. I am exhausted. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. You think about the churches that have like six or seven services. I was so overwhelmed by two. I know, right? I was like, I don't want to do this again. It's hard to be authentic for that long. No, I'm just kidding. Um, anyway, I, so that's, that's just the heart of why I care so deeply about this issue is that... Um, I think that there, we, there, I don't have to say this, you already know this, that there have been some very toxic, th- toxic practices that have come from a complementarian theology. And you've mm-hmm. said this so many times, Kelly, you're, you're a picture of someone who's trying to right that wrong on so many levels. And I, I love that about you. I love that about Glenelg Bible. It's why I sit here. It's why I'm, you know, a participating member of this congregation, even though maybe I interpret First Timothy differently. Mm-hmm. It's definitely, um, it is difficult being sinful and also trying to uh, live out how I feel about my role as a husband, father, those 
innate feelings mm-hmm. of protecting, providing, like all of those things that are, that are good things, mm-hmm. especially the protecting one. Um, like that's a, that's a good thing to have. Mm-hmm. We are, men are designed to have that. But I can easily see how that good intention and feeling and want can easily be perverted Warped. into, a, 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 into a, a dominating type of spirit, into a dominating posture. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think it's a thin line between that call to protect and that call and, and then just stepping yeah. over the line into a taking over right. kind of mindset. And that is not the mindset. Mm-hmm. The mindset is to serve. Mm-hmm. The mindset is to die for your wife mm-hmm. daily like Christ died for the church, like to serve in that way. And when you see that lived out, it's beautiful, um, but it's, you know, it's difficult to do because we're sinful. So um, our experience, just sharing a brief story really quick, the church that we served at before moving to Bartlett um, and attending Poplar uh, was church up in Minnesota was a complementarian church um, that was run by a lead pastor that was burnt out and um, spiritually unhealthy. And in the midst of that unhealthiness in his own life, um, there was a moment where uh, my wife was leading worship and she had a pair of jeans and there was a small rip on the knee that was half an inch uh, wide. And um, he pulled me aside and um, proceeded to tear her apart and, and then it moved into the realm of making uh, like sexually inappropriate comments about my wife. Wow. And um, I, for the longest time, didn't tell her about this, but I was telling her like, hey, we got to get out of here. And then I eventually did tell her this message this last Sunday was really hard for her mm. and for both of us because of some of that church hurt and that yeah. baggage and the experience mm-hmm. that you're talking mm-hmm. about. And so one of the things that we're trying to work on together is especially for her getting to know the elders of this church, grabbing dinner with them, Mm -hmm. meeting with the leaders, because I think conversations like this and moments like this, where you can hear the other person and see their heart, help tear down those walls and help you empathize with people that see differently. Mm -hmm. That's such a good word. I'm so glad you said that because even coming into this conversation today, I was like, Lord, Matt, you've said it already, but like my prayer was we have 99% agreement. Mm-hmm. on most things mm-hmm. and to be able to model what it looks like to have conversation where you're like, Oh, I might see that differently. Or I might have landed. I think finding and, and story and experience is what is what brings us together yeah. is sharing our experiences, sharing our, you know, what, um, what we've been through or, or what we've seen, things that have been hurtful, things that have helped us flourish. So I'm so glad you made that point because Again, I, the conversation probably isn't so much about what we believe. I think we're, it's, you know, we're all probably pretty confident in how we've landed on this passage, but how you live it out. Are we caring for each are other? Are we caring for each other? I went to a Wheaton Park District meeting again last week. Oh, you week. went again. I yeah, so look it up. second time in a row. And um, if the church doesn't provide a forum for civil discourse, yeah. treating one another well, then how will the world ever know? Because that Wheaton totally Park, just agree. that meeting was difficult. Yeah. A woman came into the meeting and I went and watched the YouTube. It's not on the YouTube. She, she never gets up to speak and she's off camera, but she came in with a placard around her neck 
that used a term for male genitalia. So none of this in women's locker rooms. It was a placard around her neck. No penises in women's women's locker rooms. Okay. So her position was, is, you know, and it just, it, 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 it set the room on fire. Yeah, you know, Jennifer said she was sorry about that. No, <laughs> <laughs> well played. It set, it really set the room on fire. And I thought to myself, the church has a great opportunity here because we can be gentle and kind. Yeah. Um, Christians can be gentle and kind in public formats for sure. We should be, the light of Christ should shine through us in our demeanor towards those that disagree with us. Um, but in, in in the congregation, we should we should yeah. be able to do this. How we cool should. would it be if the church like st- steered the culture back to being able to just talk and disagree about things yeah. Yeah. amicably and, yeah. and mm-hmm. reasonably, yeah. kindly, and, kindly? Doing How cool would it be if we yeah. actually modeled that? That might to be the harder culture. than actually learning Greek you know, <laughs> to understand this this text. All right. <laughs> All right, let's go to the next one. I mean, we've kind of hit on it a little bit, but what, what about Paul's statement of equality in Galatians 3.28? Oh, sorry, I'm looking at the wrong. You skipped four. Oh, did I? You skipped the oh, question, but let's do this. So yeah, yeah. what about Paul's statement of equality in Galatians 3.28? And so there, in case you don't have it memorized, <laughs> there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for all are one in Christ. And uh, the complementarity, um, the complementarian view would say, well, that's a statement on salvation. It's not a statement. So God, in other words, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for all are one in Christ. It's a, it's a statement of how anybody can be saved in Christ. It is not a statement that, arrange, uh, that erases gender. He's not saying there's no longer men and women. Could you say that, that the verse, I mean, we talked about this earlier, could you say that that's a verse talking about value as well? Or is it specifically about salvation? I think it, the context is one of God's saving work through Christ and okay. anybody can be. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think he, he's not claiming, in fact, in the book of Revelation, for example, uh, there are Greeks that are going to be saved and they're present at, in the end time. At, in, they're gathered around the throne. He's not, and then there are Jews around the throne. So he's not erasing race either. Hmm. There'll be every tribe, nation, and language saved before the throne of God. So if, if that's the case, well, what is Paul talking about? He's just talking about the everybody can be saved no matter what your gender is no matter what your socioeconomic place is, slave or free, no matter what your race is, Jew or Greek. Gotcha. Your ethnicity. Okay. Yeah. All right, let's, uh, let's circle back to four real quick. What about Paul's call to mutual submission in Ephesians 5.21? Yeah, in 5.21, he's about to go into instructions for Christian households, and it's, it's the famous um, passage that's often read at weddings. Husband, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as you do to the Lord. Well, before he gives men and women distinct roles in the home, he, has, he says just broadly in verse 21, so this is before that passage, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so, in other words, there is a mutual submission that is a reality in the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. 
we all, in fact, everybody should know who they are submitted to. Not to know who you're submitted to is a dangerous way to live. Mm-hmm. So I'm submitted to Sherry. There's, there's a real functional, I'm going to listen closely, and I famously say, do what, I, do what I'm told. So when she tells me, honey, you need to be coming to bed with me. We were young marrieds. We need to be going to bed at the same time. I don't power up. I say, well, okay, tell me what you're thinking, blah, 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 blah. And, and it was important to her. So off I go. And it's actually served me really well to do what I'm told and to go to bed with my wife, you know, at, when she goes to sleep. I'm submitted to the elders of the church. I do what I'm told. I pay close attention to what they're saying. Uh, I've got colleagues in ministry, and my arm motion is the people here sitting with me. Uh, I, I pay close attention to the feedback I'm given. Um, so there's a mutual submission that doesn't, in other words, it doesn't negate the, the role of men and women in marriage. As someone who um, has studied the word submission often, um, no, I don't know, often, maybe thoroughly, do what I'm told, I just want to say, is probably mm. not what it means. Forgive me. Yes, you're <laughs> In right. In case there is anybody <laughs> that out was there. That was rhetorical. I to- anybody who knows you knows okay. exactly what you mean. It, and, here's what, but here's I'm, what I'm saying, reacting like, to. Just a little yes. tweak. Nuance it. Absolutely. Here's what, here's what I'm reacting to. Mm-hmm. I'm reacting to men. Mm-hmm. who say, I'm not going to do what my but wife even tells that, me. Can I just push back on that? Yeah, even fear, on that, teach me. because now I'm not teaching you. I'm well, just, I'm asking a question. I'm like, so, you know, in my own marriage, Anthony and I, 20 years plus, um, do our darndest to live this out. We don't even, I mean, we just, it's at this point, it's so natural for us, like our partnership, our mm-hmm. mutual submission. It's just God's grace is all it is. I mean, not to say that we don't try. We try very hard to consider each other's needs above our own. We're intentional about that. So I don't want to act like, oh, we've just figured it out. Everything's great. No, we try very hard. We have a lot of conversation. We see a therapist. We ha- we're in a small group. We've got accountability. We do it all, right? And the fruit of that is that we have a healthy marriage. And so I would just say that I don't, I don't want to speak on behalf of Anthony, but I don't think he would say, I just do what someone tells me in my, you know, my marriages. <laughs> That's a good Kelly voice. <laughs> yeah, it was. I liked it. <laughs> I wasn't trying to be Kelly. I was trying to be Anthony. But you see what I'm saying? That it's, um, I, I think there's, a, I just think I would pause and say, I do what I'm told, is where sometimes this toxic teaching can come from. Okay, but do be you know comforted. What I'm saying? Yes, but yeah. be comforted in the fact that as I explained it, I said, yes. "Well, honey, tell me more what you're feeling and thinking." Totally. Just lead with that. Okay. So, <laughs> I what noted. I, am I correct in saying so like the controversial portion of this passage for us today would be you know, wives submitting to your husbands, but when this was originally written, the more controversial section would be husbands loving your wives because at, during first century Rome, women were viewed more as property. Yeah, and so without a doubt. And so f- for husbands to love your wife just as Christ mm-hmm. loved the church, that's self-sacrifice. Totally. And like yeah. laying down your life. Yeah, that's the-, the heart of the passage. But when it's mispreached, mm-hmm. there have been women who have suffered abuse because they've been told, do what you're told. Yep. That sure. has been preached. I, I mean, I'm sorry if that's hard to hear. But There's that, lots of stories yes. out there with women and, saying, right. 
Not right. not only one to yeah. many, not only from the platform, but one to one in counseling yeah. sessions. Yeah. And the church has not actually done a really good job teaching on this mm. subject. There's I actually have a book I want to send you, Kelly. I would love your opinion on it. Yeah. So it's all this re- like data, actual research on women it, who grow up it's in... it's data on the sinfulness of the church, I, I think, I've, I think on, I've lived it. I don't know that I need yeah. a book about it. Well, But I, I'm teasing. No, I know. I was like, how can I clarify what the data is? But anyway, that's all in our conversation. But for somebody, for a man to just totally dominate the wife is, is acting in a way that Christ didn't act towards the Absolutely. church. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I think mutual submission is so beautiful Mm -hmm. and it's hard and it's self-forgetting on behalf of the person you love and have been called to partner with. And so, you know, that isn't the message that is always preached. It's a lot of times it is do what you're told. I'm just laughing because I just wanted to see Oppenheimer Mm. and she just wanted to see Barbie. (laughs) So this is gross. Oh, man. <laughs> Sorry. So you saw both. So we saw both. Yeah. And there's a word for seeing both. What is it? Boppenheimer. Ba- uh, oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, bar- Barbenheimer. Barbenheimer. Oh that's gosh. it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's go to the last one. Why is it acceptable to sing hymns and read books written by women? Remember, the issue is not whether they can teach, but whether they can serve as the primary teachers, leaders of the church with that elder role. So I definitely read books written by women and enjoyed Simone's sermon yesterday and certainly sing songs and uh, appreciate the platform leadership of women at Glowham Bible Church. So, and hope there's more and more of it. Yeah. But it, it, this question comes up because there are people in the evangelical subculture that say women cannot uh, uh, teach adult men ever. You, in books, any context. Yeah, in, in right. any context. Yeah. And so it's something to be aware of. Right. That's where whatever their, whatever the word is that describes them, you put the word hyper in front of yeah. that, and that's typically what that means. Yeah, hyper complementary. Right, right. All right. Well, that's all the questions we have for you today. But if you have any further questions, comments, or concerns, don't hesitate. Text Next Level Podcast at 630-474-6164. Our podcast is dedicated to answering listener questions on two levels, answering specific questions about last Sunday's sermon, and also just general questions regarding broader, broader topics within the Christian faith. We love God and believe that Scripture is a primary means for our getting to know Him. And our hope is that this podcast extends the learning opportunity for all who want to know God better, strengthening not only your faith, but my faith and faith together. Thank you for joining us. Thank you listeners for tuning in to the next level. Boom. Prophecy.